Well, good morning again. Praise God. The Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Spirit of God, for His own Spirit, who He has given us, that when we read the Word, when we lift our voice, that it doesn't have to be dry and dead. And I said it doesn't have to be because if you don't turn to the Spirit of God, it will be. He is the one in the beginning that hovered over the chaos of the waters and infused life and brought order. And so if you allow him to hover over your life, your situation, your job, your relationship, your time in the word, your future, I'll tell you what, Jesus even told us he would show us the future. He'll show you things to come. Now, don't get a big head, because uh, Paul said by the Holy Spirit, we know in part and we prophesy in part. So he's not going to show you everything. And probably if he did, you'd stop walking by faith. <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, but the Spirit of God, he knows exactly how to speak to your heart. He knows exactly the words that you will respond to. He knows where you've been. He knows where you are. And he knows where you're going. Jesus is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. So you're not going to come up with something new. You're not going to, well, most of us don't think like, well, maybe different people have different issues, but we all, anyhow, praise the Lord. <laughs> the devil is not going to come up with some new temptation or some new trap that Jesus hasn't already set you free from, that Jesus hasn't already paid the price for. And suffered the penalty for. And so uh, stop believing the lies of the devil, the thoughts of the devil, and certainly don't let those thoughts stay there. Cast down those vain imaginations, those imaginations that say, this is how it is without God. I read something a few weeks ago. I think I've said it a few of the weeks, but it's so good I'm going to say it again. And that is, worry is seeing your future without God in it. Worry is seeing your future without God. And so all of a sudden you start to worry, like, how are we going to pay the payment? How are we going to make this? How are we going to do that? That is without God intervening. You start to worry, like, what's going to happen in, in my relationship? Because relationships can be very challenging. And so all of a sudden you understand, like, people have their own will. And so people will all the time to reject Christ and live their own way. But the word of God tells us not one person would do that if the devil didn't blind them. They wouldn't go that way. So relationships, man, you got to turn them over to the Lord. You surround people in faith and love and let the Holy Ghost speak to people. Because um, you could tell me every little thing about everything in your relationship. And if I try to answer you without the Spirit of God, I mean, it's like a clanging cymbal. You know, I could talk till I'm blue in the face. In other words, I run out of oxygen. Or I begin to run out of oxygen to try and help and give you even a biblical answer. But man, when you yield to the Spirit of God, 
He knows the right words, but not only the right words, he knows how to speak them. So I always encourage people, um, especially if you're married, but it applies in friendships, all kind of relationships. If you have a relationship uh, that there are issues, I will, number one, I say, read the love verses and do them. But then, in addition to that, ask the Spirit of God to speak to that person's heart. The, the problem, uh, even in, in marriage relationships so many times, is the same problem that is in personal relationships with friends, with coworkers, and dare I say, with God. And that is, we harden our heart. We don't keep a tender heart, but we begin to harden it to protect because of experience, because of anger. It's really, you're just yielding to the flesh. And so we harden, we begin to hunker down and we're preparing for a fight. And in that uh, maybe fleshly, natural type of protection, all of a sudden we start to harden in that area. And boy, if you start to harden to the Lord, you're in a very dangerous place because he is the answer to all of your problems. He is the answer to all the things that you don't understand. And so whatever you do, you keep a tender heart to the Lord. And if you keep a tender heart to the Lord well, then everything else can work out because you're, you're submitted to him. I tell um, young people very often, if you're thinking of marrying somebody, then you better pay attention not to how they say they're going to be, but you pay attention to how they are with the Lord. Are they submitted unto the Lord, and are they growing in their relationship with him? There's a pastor in uh, Michigan, uh, Pastor Dwayne Vanderklok, and um, I heard him say this. I don't know if it's original him or not, but it's really good. He said, marriage is the great magnifier. Whatever you experience after marriage or before marriage will be magnified after. So the things that are good and the things that are bad. Well, you know, people say, well, I'm marrying them. And they said they're going to change for me. I say, yeah, okay. So if you're thinking of marrying somebody, don't look for the perfect person because you're not the perfect person and there is no perfect person. Like people aren't perfect. Okay, so you're going to have to marry somebody besides a, a human if you want someone that's perfect. <laughs> but you look for someone, obviously, you, if you're a born-again Christian, you need to be equally yoked. And they need to be submitted under the mighty hand of God. And they need to be in a growing relationship with him. God can work with that. Because it's not about you working with that. It's about what he can work with. And so if we let him um, mold us and shape us and be able to speak into our lives by having a soft and tender heart towards him, well, then anything's possible. Uh, but the problem is not with him. The problem is with us and our selfish pride and our refusal to do it his way. Like, okay, well, I just have to try it myself first. <laughs> How many times? Oh, listen, I have done that. And then you're like, Lord, you, you were right again. You were right again. And you know the whole time he's right, but I don't know why. I think it's like pride. I'm speaking for myself. Okay, don't, I'm not pointing at any of you. But it is so important that we are submitted under the Lord and that we allow him, I hope you understand how I say this, into our heart. I'm even talking about believers. Yes, you're born again. 
but what do you allow the Lord to do in your heart? I remember uh, Dad Hagen said um, he was uh, praying about going into the traveling ministry, and when he was praying about that, you know, and about different ministry areas, different things like that, he made comment. He said, uh, why do you want to do that? Do you want to do that because you want to do that? If you do, you're wrong. Do you want to do it because your wife? Because no. <laughs> your wife wants you to do that? You're wrong. You want to do it because your mother-in-law wants you to do that? That's wrong. The only right reason is because God wants you to do that. And so he said, I had to get that on the altar. You know what that means? Like, we don't have altars here. But in my church growing up, we had altars. And all they were were like two by sixes, stained brown. But we called it the altar. And so (laughs) the point is that you go into prayer and you open your heart to the Lord to hear what he would say to you and to hear what he would say about you and uh, let him do some operating and submit to him and he'll show you the way and funny enough, he'll show you things that you didn't even know that you needed to uh, get rid of. You, you can get rid of it. And um, I know Dad Hagen, when he was... <laughs> Ministering, and um, he was getting about 60% results, according to the word of God, of people being healed, people being set free, these type of things. So he started uh, praying about it and was quoting the scripture to the Lord and said, you know, it says, and, and these signs will follow, these signs will follow, you know, the preaching of the word. And he's like, I'm preaching the word. And finally the Lord said, no, you're not. You got 5% doubt, and I think it was 35% tradition. He said, whoa. He said, I got rid of the doubt right away. He said, it took me three years to get rid of the tradition. He said, I had uh, some Baptist tradition, and I had some Pentecostal tradition. The Baptist tradition he got rid of in a year, and the Pentecostal took him three years. (laughs) But he said he would get in prayer, and when he got in prayer about it, it would come up like this. He described it like an old, rotten, black boot. But he said he actually saw it. That's how he just, like you'd see an old rotten boot like in the woods or something. But he described it. He actually saw it was like this black thing with these little tentacles hanging off of it. And when he got rid of it, it was gone. And then he started getting better results, better results, better results. Because he said, I am preaching the word, Lord. And the Lord said, check up on your preaching. So a lot of times we think that we are doing something that we are not doing. And the only way to find out what you're doing is to go to the source of all life and all truth, the spirit of reality, the spirit of God. Go to God and find out uh, what he has to say. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 1. And this is, uh, I believe this is going to be a transitional message from confession. You never really can get off confession if you're a believer if you want to have what God wants you to have. Because um, believing and having faith in God is actually the great confession. Jesus is the high priest of our confession. Actually, he's the apostle of our confession and the high priest of our confession. And so if you're going to be born again and live like you're born again, you are going to be constantly declaring, constantly confessing the word of God. The word of God is true. 
and the word of God is real. Now, you think, I think, you think I think, no, let me just stop. I think sometimes, like, uh, if I told you last night I had dinner with President Trump, like, that's, that's not true. So I think that's like a lie. <laughs> that is a lie. Okay, but we kind of classify lies like in that realm. But that's far too narrow. Because anything that is not the truth is a lie. And so we have to be people of the truth. In other words, I'm a tither and I'm a giver. I'm going under financially. I just lied according to the truth of the word of God. Well, think about it. The devil is a deceiver and a liar, and he's trying to get you to say things that are not the truth. In other words, I must not be born again because I, don't, I didn't read the Bible today, and I didn't pray, and I don't feel like I'm born again. I must be so far from God. Well... That's a lie. You speak the truth. You know him and you have an unction from the Holy One. So you speak the truth. Don't speak a lie. So where we get in trouble is we lie too much. I mean, I'll confess. You don't have to confess. I've been a liar so many times because I'm not speaking the truth. My wife's excited about that. But you speak the truth, not a lie. And so this is all kind of what we're talking about, who you are in Christ. If you are born again, you have no business acting like you can't go into the presence of God in an instant. You have no business acting like that's for other people. You have no business acting like God is a respecter of persons and made, uh, you know, John Doe or Jane Doe more spiritual than he made you. If you're born again, you are a new creature. And your spirit has become one with God. And you have God living on the inside, waiting for you to turn your, the ears of your spirit and the eyes of your spirit to him to see what he's doing and to hear what he's saying. What happens is the chaos of life comes in and surrounds us like, a, like, like enemy forces all around, and all of a sudden you start to hear these voices, and then you start to think those things, and you start to say those things. Yet, if you just look and listen, and if you think back in times in your life when that has ever happened, maybe it's just me, maybe nobody else, if you think for just a second, Ask the Lord, Lord, did you speak to me during that? Do you know what you'll note? Oh, there was a little something. It wasn't very pronounced. It wasn't very like in my face. This other was so in my face, but I, this just kept coming up. Just kept coming up. 
but I didn't do anything about it. But he speaks as a still, small voice, an inward witness, where the other, man, when the enemy speaks, he is trying to push you into it. You have to decide now. You have to do it now. You have to, you have to do it this way. Can't you see it's a failure? Can't you see it won't work? Can't you see? So that everything, like your flesh is just like not one to submit to your spirit. And your flesh wants with everything in you to say those evil thoughts. And sometimes to do those evil things. But in every temptation, the Lord provides a way of escape. But we have to look to him. So you should find like some uh, escape words from scripture or something that uh, you or someone close to you can help you when you have uh, overwhelming oppression or overwhelming imaginations that come that you can say, uh, this is a lie and I am not a liar so I'm not, or a gossiper. So I'm not going to repeat a lie. I'm going to repeat the truth, even if it doesn't feel like it's true. Because we don't walk by feelings. We walk by what we believe and declare. And so in the midst of it, there's something that's not much sweeter than to declare a thing when all of your feelings and senses tell you the opposite, if it's in the word. You know, if it's not in the word, you're kind of crazy. Because you're just like, you're just like trying to be rebellious or something. I'm talking about the word of God, the words of God. Your words have zero power if they're not based from the word of God in order to get you the results that God promised. Now, they have some power because you have authority in your life. It's an act of the will to receive Christ. So if you're going to speak those evil thoughts, that's going to change the course and change the road. It's going to build an avenue and a pathway for those things to come. And so you got to pay attention to your words. Uh, I don't know if I'm helping anybody, but I'm preaching to myself, <laughs> even if I'm not preaching to you. I receive it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Our, you, can, you can measure your faith based on your confession. So if you listen to what you're saying, you can figure out where your faith is at, what you're declaring, what you're allowing, what you're not allowing. If you're going to have your prayers answered, it's going to depend on your confession. If you're going to be able to use the name of Jesus, it's going to depend on your confession. If you're going to be able to walk in faith, it's going to depend on your confession. If you're going to have your prayers answered, it's going to depend on your declaration. I'm going to say it a different way. If you're going to um, use the name of Jesus, you're going to have to declare the name of Jesus. That means I don't say... Uh, all right, you got to stop in the name of Jesus. Well, it's hard to say without, I'm trying to say it without any um, belief in the name. In other words, it's not just mindless words. But you understand that all authority, all authority in heaven, on earth, 
under the earth was invested into Christ and into his name. And when you use his name and you understand that, in other words, if you don't understand it, you're not going to use it anyhow. If you don't comprehend, this has to bow at the name of Jesus. This has to give way to the name of Jesus. This has no power against the name of Jesus. If you understand that, well, you're probably going to start using the name of Jesus. I mean, I, when I was going to Bible school, I, not that I know that much more now, but I didn't know that much. This authority stuff was really new to me. And so, but it's really been working for me all along, even though I didn't realize it, <laughs> just on the negative. And so, and so I was getting ready to go to Bible school. I had an apartment. I lived about three miles away, four miles maybe. So I got in my pickup truck. And as I'm pulling out of the apartment complex, I had to take a left. I just had something in my spirit, and I just, before I thought, I spoke, which, if that's in response to the Spirit of God, is good. (laughs) And so I said, no accident will overtake me. And it was so like, I was like, whoa, kind of where did that come from? (laughs) So I turned the corner, go to stop sign, turn the corner, drive two miles, and go to the traffic light, take a right. I'm just driving along, forgot I had said anything, getting ready to go to school, or driving to school. Man, I get about a quarter of a mile down that road. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, this other pickup truck is like, like uh, halfway up on mine, like this. And I don't know if there's something in the road or whatever, but they took the wheel and like this, and just flew over like this. And I thought, oh, I've been hit. But nothing hit me to this day because I saw them. I looked over and saw before this happened. Uh, It's only the grace of God that he had me speak, build that road so that I could actually have that reality in my life. And so many times you don't even know what to do. But man, if you start to comprehend and understand the power of the name of Jesus and you just say the name of Jesus, demons have to flee. Plans of the enemy that he has tried to use and is trying to use to destroy your life are put to a stop and destroyed by the name of Jesus. And so our confession has to not only include the words of God, but it has to include the name of Jesus. And when we go to pray, Jesus said, you're not going to ask me anything anymore in John. So we don't pray to Jesus. He said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. So we don't pray for the sake of Jesus. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. And so uh, if you've ever uh, read, E.W. Kenya has a great book on this called uh, The Wonderful Name of Jesus. And um, he uses an example at the beginning here that I don't know of a better example. And he said... uh, he was talking about this, uh, the name of Jesus, the power of the name of Jesus at a meeting. And a lawyer came up to him afterwards, and he said, are you saying that Jesus gave us 
the power of attorney to use his name. And he said, I don't know. You tell me. I'm not a lawyer. And he said, if words mean anything, then Jesus gave to the believer the power of attorney to use his name. And so if you're not a lawyer, maybe that doesn't mean much. Or if you haven't had to have a power of attorney, maybe that doesn't mean much. But when you have the power of attorney, we're not talking like the limited power of attorney. We're talking about the full power of attorney, that whatever you sign, whatever you say, is exactly as if Jesus Christ himself signed it and said it. And that's what Jesus gave to the church when he went away. He gave to the church the right to use his name as power of attorney. Now listen, I, I guarantee this, even if you've studied this before, just because we're uh, becoming more aware of this today, the next time you pray in the name of Jesus, there's going to be more power because you're more conscious, because you understand what's happening, that there is a transaction happening. All right, now let's look at... Um, Oh, look at the time. Praise the Lord. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 1. We already quoted Hebrews chapter 3. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. But I want to start with uh, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. And we'll see how far we get here in the next four minutes. Now, I don't normally do that. Is that a bad thing as a pastor to say the time? Because then if you don't make the time, okay. <laughs> uh, you got to learn sometimes as you go, okay. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. By whom also he made the worlds, who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. I mean, this is packed. <laughs> Whew. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, you are my son, this day have I begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he'll be to me the son. And again, when he brings into the first begotten into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the son, he says, 
Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Okay, I got to pause first. I'm trying not to pause on this, but I have to pause on this. Like, a sept, do you know what a scepter of righteousness is? You know, like the reigning kings would have a scepter. Remember when Esther went into the king, and if he didn't lay down his scepter, she would have to be killed, and she would have to die? The word of God tells us that the scepter of the kingdom of God is the scepter of righteousness, meaning that when you approach God, he brings down this scepter through Jesus Christ and says, you are worthy to come into my presence. You are worthy to speak unto me. You are worthy to be called my child, my son, and my daughter. He stretches out the scepter of righteousness. Everything was dependent upon that scepter. Everyone was looking for Esther. She approached the king without being invited. Is he going to lower the scepter? Well, I'll tell you what. God himself has lowered the scepter in the direction of humanity, and it has lowered it by Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus. And if you come with the blood of Jesus, that scepter is stretched out towards you. And we are ushered in legally because of the blood and because of the life of the Lamb. He has brought us in, and he has brought us close, and he has brought us near because he wanted a relationship with you. He wanted to know you, and he wanted you to know him, and he wanted you to have the kind of life that you could only have in him, the fullest kind of life, the most blessed life, a life where like you're I like uh, T.L. Osborne and F.F. Bosworth were talking, you know, one time, and they're saying, oh, it's so, it's so good to be born again. They're like, I have to rub my grinning muscles at night like they get sore because it's so wonderful to be born again. You think of what God has done. You know, you, get, you ever get like that? You're like, oh, oh. It's similar, if you, it's similar to, like, my current favorite drink is uh, cranberry juice, just straight cranberry juice. And if it's fresh, like we got one the other day, and Melody opened it, she couldn't hardly eat it, drink it, I mean. And I drank it, and she's like, oh, this is bunker so much. And so I drank it, and I'm like, oh, oh. And I, you just really feel it. I'm like, that's a good drink. <laughs> I like uh, things with a little tart or something. I don't know. That's why I married my wife. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Sweet and sour. No, sweet, all sweet, all sweet. You have, verse 9, you have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, this is speaking of Jesus. Therefore, God, even your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. See, what I'm doing is in the Bible. <laughs> Jesus was the happiest man around. And some people like you go, what you, what you been doing? Oh, I've been with the Lord. I've been in his, I'm sorry, I'm doing it wrong. When you, you're not supposed to smile, it's really hard. I've been with, I can't do it. When you get, in his presence is fullness of joy. And so if you've been in his presence, that, some of that joy is going to rub off on you. Some of that joy is going to be stirring on the inside of you. You're going to have a good report. You're going to have a happy report. You might have a laugh. <laughs> and, and so, so, 
That's one way you know if you are connecting with God in the presence of God is because you get full of joy and you get a burden for the lost. In other words, you're not like, oh, there's so many people going to hell. What are we going to do? How are we going to handle it? You understand the seriousness of the situation, but you understand it doesn't ride on you. It was Jesus who did it. He made a way. He made it possible. All you have to do is say, Lord, I'm available to you. What would you have me do? What would you have me say? And then obey what he tells you to do. Obey what he tells you to do. Praise the Lord. How do we close this? Like Brother Higgins said, his messages are like a freight train. I just unhook and rehook the next week. So maybe that's the best way to do it. Stand with me if you would. <laughs> Glory to God. Being made so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. He didn't say at any time to an angel, sit here at my right hand. He didn't say at any time to any other being but a God-man, Jesus Christ. He said, sit right here at my right hand. And then what happened? If we, if we read, which we will next week, I imagine. Uh, if you keep reading in Hebrews there, you'll find it talks about Jesus Christ, the, our forerunner, the one who went before us. So that he's seated in heavenly places, but not only is he seated at the right hand of God, we are seated with him in heavenly places. Everything that he did, he did for you. He did for me. He did to bring us close. He actually experienced separation from God, opposite of closeness, so that we could have closeness, so we could be brought near, so we could be brought in. He brings us in. If you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The way you get into this thing is by declaring Jesus Christ as Lord. Hold fast to your confession. Grab, hold tight to your confession, especially when it seems like it's not working especially when it seems like everything's failing around you, especially when it seems like there is no hope and the whole word of God is a lie. You've experienced enough of God to know that is a lie, that that's the oldest trick in the book. Did God really say don't eat that tree? The devil is a liar, and he is the author and the father of lies, and there is no truth in him. But God is not a man that he should lie. He will not lie to you. He is the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by his Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So how is it going to happen? Jesus said, I am the way. Do you think this is really true? Jesus said, I am the truth. Do you think this is all there is to life? Not if you got Jesus. Jesus said, I am the life. I am the very nature of God and the power of God and the life of God and the completeness of God. And when you let him into your life, I'm not talking just at the beginning to be born again. When you keep a tender heart to the Lord 
and you let Christ in your daily life, try something different. Let him call more of the shots. Now, if you pay attention, if you pray, I would venture to say, if you said, Lord, have I been making some decisions apart from you? Nobody raise your hand. It's amazing how easy it is to do that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You might find a thing or two. But if you stay tender to the Lord, man, he can do anything through you. He can accomplish anything through you. Those thoughts that come, those things, those imaginations, those dreams that you think, oh, that's too big. That keeps coming up, but that's too big. You're right, it's too big for you apart from God, but it's not too big for God. Mother Teresa said, they said, you can't reach people, you can't reach the poor, you can't reach the destitute. She had no money. They said, you have no money. She said, I don't have one. She said, uh, well, I have some. With God and this penny, I can do anything. And look what that woman with one penny did. With God. And so don't let the devil lie to you and limit you. That's just his tactic to hinder Christ in his work in the earth. And he's trying to kill and destroy um, everything that you let him in your life, in those around you. He wants death and destruction in your wake. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly, that you leave a wake and an aroma that goes out from your life and from interactions with you, that actually people experience the life and the blessing of God so that they say, whew, surely the Lord is in this place. I mean, Smith Wigglesworth would be on the train and they say, you convict me just by his very presence. He didn't even say a word. People would start shaking. God is not a respecter of persons. I read you a final quote. He said, but we have a conviction that before the Lord returns, there will be a mighty army of believers who will learn the secret of living in the name, of reigning in life, living the victorious, transcendent, resurrection life of the Son of God among men. And if you follow uh, Smith Wigglesworth or anybody like that, that was Kenyon, uh, very much, you'll know that he actually has a prophecy that says something very similar. If you've uh, listened to Kenneth Hagin, you'll notice that he also has a prophecy that is very similar. And if you read the word of God, you would know they that do know their God and do exploits and turn the world upside down have come here as well. That is you and that is me and that is the body of Christ if we let the Spirit of God Lead us, guide us, and direct us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. That you sent your word and that you healed us. 
that you sent your word and you gave us light. Thank you for light. Thank you that you didn't leave us in darkness. Thank you that you didn't leave us under the dominion of the devil. Thank you that you didn't leave us, oh, to our own ways and our own devices, but you sent your son, Jesus Christ. Oh, we declare, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. Say it after me. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my provider. I have more than enough. He is my strengthener. In the name of Jesus, I declare, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord over my body. Jesus is Lord over my mind. I will think on what is lovely, what is noble, what is pure, what is praiseworthy. I will cast my cares on the Lord. I refuse to have worry or let worry have me. I worship God. I trust God. He leads me. He guides me. He directs me. He lives on the inside of me. I have an anointing from him. He teaches me all things. The Holy Spirit is everything to me that Jesus said he would be. He teaches. He leads. He guides. He shows. He reveals He unfolds the word of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God in me and through me. In Jesus' name, amen.